Welcome to the podcast series on innovative healthcare solutions sponsored by the Conference of Consulting Actuaries or the CCA. Um, just as a reminder, this is a series of interviews that we're doing with actuaries and other professionals focused on delivering innovation in healthcare. I'm, I'm sure you're going to enjoy these sessions and all the great discussions we plan to have highlighting the interesting people, products, and services designed to drive a better healthcare system. Uh, these sessions are offered to provide insights about what's transpiring in the ever-changing healthcare environment in which we live. And while these sessions are not necessarily designed to offer continuing education credits for the actuaries who are uh, viewing this, uh, each viewer can assess for themselves if it meets the criteria for such credit. So uh, my name is Ed Podlowski and I'm president of Morningstar Actual Consulting and also the chair of the healthcare community of the CCA and I'm happy to be your host for today. I'm really delighted today to be joined by Whitney Pratt. Uh, Whitney is a fellow of the Society of Actuaries and a member of the American Academy of Actuaries. And, and she's also a chartered enterprise risk analyst. Um, in addition to that, she is also the director of data science, pricing and underwriting analytics at Evermorph. Whitney, did I, did I get that right? That is right, yes. Thank you for having me, excited to be here. Great. Well, I'm really looking forward to this. So, hey, hey, Whitney, um, I'm willing to bet that there are, you know, are a few actuaries uh, and viewers out there who may not be familiar with Evernorth, but I'm willing to bet that most of them, if not all, are familiar with several entities of whom Evernorth is the parent company. Can you give us an overview of, of Evernorth? Yeah, yeah. No, you're exactly right. So for those of you who are familiar with Cigna, so Cigna is a Fortune 15 global health service company that provides medical, pharmacy, and health services within and outside the U.S. And Evernorth is actually Cigna's health services segment, and they provide dedicated platform for the distribution of health solutions geared towards health plans, employers, and government organizations. So they do go hand in hand. Okay, great. So you have a very long and impressive title, as I said before, Director of Data Science Pricing and Underwriting Analytics. Tell me about what you and your team do on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so my team is, is a bunch of data scientists. Um, we do have some actuaries working on my team as well. And what we do is we provide data science solutions for our underwriting and pricing departments within Cigna. So we use things like machine learning and other statistical methods to help providing our underwriters and our actuaries a lot more confidence in those risk-based decisions that they're making. So um, it could, the information can help provide more efficient decisions, but it can also be used to provide an additional perspective. Uh, of course, it's not used for anything like denying coverage, but you know, it's used to supplement the decisions that they're making. Um, and one of the other things that we do is we help with automating processes sometimes, wherever it makes sense. So like, for example, we could use data science techniques to identify variables that have like a really large impact on cost prediction rather than manually developing and testing various scenarios by hand, which is what I used to do as an actuary when I was developing models. I would have to manually say, okay, what would happen if I increase this, this assumption or decrease that assumption and how would that impact the overall result? So it's always nice to have a little bit quicker of ways of doing some of those more tedious tasks. Um, and yeah, so basically working really closely with those departments to try to figure out what are the business challenges that we have in underwriting, in pricing, and is there any way that data science could potentially help with being a solution? So 
Um, that's intriguing, I think. So you're working hand in hand with a lot of the, the price, the kind of the traditional pricing actuarial roles and, and yeah. underwriting roles. Um, you, you talked a little bit about uh, some of the uh, automation that's going on, but can you talk a little bit more, obviously without divulging anything confidential, you know, how what you're doing is really integrating with those kind of traditional pricing actuarial work that, that we're all, probably all most familiar with. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you some examples. So um, we have a model that works with high cost claimants with trying to identify certain types of high cost claimants. We also have models with estimating the overall risk for groups, whether it's renewing or new business. Um, so it's all done on a de-identified basis and it's group, it's projected at a group level to try to you know, continue to ensure privacy of individuals. Uh, but what it does like the high cost claimant model, for example, it helps with really um, making things more efficient and decreasing the amount of time that, for example, nurses might have to put into the review of particular groups. So uh, prior to having a model like this, nurses would look at every single group in fine detail. And during a busy season, like when you have a 1-1 effective date, that's a lot of time to have to look at every single group and whether or not they actually have any high risks on there. And so what this does is it helps identify what are the groups that do have potential high risk um, costs in there. And then the nurses can say, okay, based on this list, we can take a more, uh, a slower motion look at this and we can identify, is there, is there anything we can do for these groups? Is there a potential for high risk? Or maybe it's not as high of a risk as we thought, but you know, at least we took a look at this group and it made sense to dig a little deeper. So time savings with, with some of these solutions, which is great. Right. So the, you know, a lot of the work with the high cost claimants, is that uh, in a sense, are you working a lot more closely than with the providers who have uh, contracts with Cigna to try to identify ways of, of identifying these high cost claimants in, in advance of, of incurring kind of the larger claims? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, well, it really, it depends on the situation. But yeah, that could definitely be a, a, a situation where we could work with providers. Um, I personally don't work often with the providers because I am more focused on our underwriting and pricing partners. Um, but it might be an opportunity where we say, hey, you know, after we decided and, and looked at a particular uh, challenge and we came up with this possible business solution, you could utilize this to have deeper conversations with those providers to say, hey, like, let's, let's figure out how we can help these people uh, get the care that they need. Great. So, uh, let me ask you, Whitney, uh, you're working with a group of data scientists in addition to some actuaries. What, what's the biggest challenge as, as an actuary in, in leading a team like that? I would say the biggest challenge for me is not having a detailed background in the code language that they use or the data platforms that they typically use. Um, so, for example, my team tends to use Python and R, whereas when I was a more uh, technical actuary. I grew up using. I grew up. I was using SAS and SQL. Um, so it's not to say that you won't have overlap with the the languages that you've learned. But my historical experience was with a slightly different language. Um, and I also don't have a data science methodology background. So although I've developed an understanding of various measurements and methods that they're using, I haven't actually developed a data science model myself. So there's definitely a lot of trust and communication that's needed on my team. And as a leader, it's a big amount of, you know, listening to my team, listening to the challenges that they're having and being able to hook them up with the right resources to make sure they're getting the support that they need. Great. 
So what does your training as an actuary bring to the team of data scientists? What are, what are they getting from you, right? Yeah, well, a big part of it in terms of just me being in this role, having that mathematical mindset really helps with having these data methodology conversations. And it really helps for me to be the liaison between my team and then our business partners. So the pricing, the actuaries, as well as our underwriters. Because then when they ask a question, those departments, I can interpret that business question and, and talk to my team about it. And when my team develops certain solutions for them, I can help make sure that the solutions that we're developing can be communicated in a business way. Um, so it's been really helpful with that. Uh, and I would also say that I have a pretty deep understanding of claims data and risk. And so that helps me as a leader be able to ask really good probing questions to ensure that our data is being scrubbed appropriately, our results are reasonable and actionable, uh, and we're thinking really critically about how we can continue to improve areas, uh, with, whether it's within the business or within our own processes. And yeah, I'd say the I last think, thing, oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. go ahead. <laughs> I, I just have like rants that I go on. Uh, the last thing <laughs> that I would mention is, I feel like a lot of actuaries get a lot of leadership um, expectations put on them pretty early on, which has really helped me coming into these leadership roles because I have that enterprise mindset. And I feel like that makes me a much stronger leader in, in creating an environment of collaboration and innovation and the ability to just work together to find the, the best solution for our team. Great. Feel free to rant on anything, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I love this. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's pretty intriguing to me anyway that um, in the whole conversation within the actual profession about working and integrating uh, in the field of data science uh, and, and, and really trying to educate many actuaries about data science that you're actually kind of involved in it, doing the role and you're leading the team as an actuary. And I, I think that's, that's pretty exciting and also pretty encouraging to many of the actuaries that exist out there. But let, let me flip that question around on you here. Um, so I asked you, you know, what, what do you bring to the team of data scientists, but what, what have you learned from them? Well, I, I definitely, there's a lot of things to learn from them because they have such a similar but different perspective on how they go about modeling. And um, it's, it's nice to have a much more mathematical, it's hard to say it like this. So when I was in my typical act traditional actuarial modeling role, uh, I fell kind of away from doing the specific statistics that we learned when we were developing our, or getting our credentials. And I think that was kind of expected in a traditional actionarial role, we wouldn't necessarily have to do the detailed statistics. So it's nice to kind of go back to that, go back to those roots that we originally taught back when I was first starting my actuarial education um, and seeing how can, actually, how can it be used within for in this example, within uh, health insurance or within analytics there. But how can I actually supplement an analytics? Because I see a lot of things that um, statistics can do. They look at data and it can say, this is what's going to happen based on the patterns that we see within the data. But the reality is there's a lot of things that it can't predict when it comes to regulations changing or things that are anticipated, let's say a new drug's entering the market and how that's gonna impact it. And so it's really important for data science to be working together hand in hand with actuarial science, because then 
we can complement each other. We can use the history and have it be very technical and very predictive and accurate, but then using the actuarial thoughts on how we can, okay, make it just a little bit more tweaked to recognize the changes that happen in the future. Um, so I really, yeah, I wish I, I truly wish that the actual education I had was immediately utilized when I came into the workforce so I could see how that would work. Uh, but it just traditionally wasn't the way, at least the health plans that I worked at, wasn't the way that it was done. Um, so it's fun to finally actually get to make some of those connections that weren't made for me in the past. Yeah. Has there, do you have a specific example of maybe um, an interaction with the data scientists where you know, they developed a conclusion, but it was your uh, understanding of the risk, your understanding of the insurance product, et cetera, that, that had an impact on how that information was viewed, whether it was pertinent to what you were trying to do, or if it was, was really just some of the, the noise that might exist in the data, as an example. Well, I mean, a big, this isn't necessarily data scientists probably wouldn't have missed this anyways, but with COVID, for example, if we were to purely use data historically, COVID would really throw a wrench in that. <laughs> so like having a recognition of, okay, you know, we've been analyzing the impact of COVID and, you know, obviously everybody was thrown off by that and it's hard to predict where it's gonna go going forward. However, it is starting to kind of ease back to, I wouldn't say normalcy, but you know, uh, it's yeah. evening out. <laughs> and so I think um, being able to say, that as an example of, oh, well, there was a pandemic. Obviously, they know about that. But if there was another circumstance where um, they would be able to pull up a chart and say, hmm, we see a huge drop here, and that's weird. You know, they can at least tell me that that's weird, but they don't necessarily know the business rationale behind it. So it is nice for me to say, oh, well, that was when this happened. Um, whether, let's say, it was Cigna expanded by purchasing something, I don't know. And now, yes, it makes sense that there's a membership increase because they expanded, you know, something like that. So it helps them feel like, okay, they're doing some due diligence on the data, but they have no awareness for sure about what the business rationale might be. And I can say, you know what, it looks good. You're doing it accurately. It's consistent with what I know on the business side. Whitney, I think that's a perfect example of, of the, the type of value kind of actuaries bring to this whole discussion. So I really do appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, so what advice would you have for the actuaries listening into this podcast who may be you know, hesitant to adopt uh, or, or adapt to some of the growing um, field of, of data science out there? So I would start by saying, I don't know where this fear has necessarily come from, but I also kind of know it's fear of change, right? A fear of differences. But um, if you think about it like Excel, when that was first created. So my dad was an actuary and he used to do all of his analytics by hand. So if he had an assumption that changed, he had to literally go through the whole thing. And he was very good at mental math, but oh my God, can you imagine the change in his productivity when Excel became a thing? right? Not only, it's not like his job was replaced by Excel. What happened was he was able to now expand upon the types of models he was doing. He was able to analyze things he wasn't able to look at before. So if you think about data science as a supplementation to the way that actuaries do things, we can now refocus our energy on stuff that really needs our energy. We don't have to do all the tedious little things that data science could just automatically do, and we could just focus on 
the analytics. And we use data science, like if you think about the assumptions that we make in a model, what do we do? We look at as many resources as we can to come up with what we think is the, the strongest, most dependable answer for an assumption. So if we have now another resource to use, we can feel more confident in the assumptions that we're putting into our model. Why wouldn't we use more resources? It just, <laughs> it's kind of intuitive when you think about it like that. I, I really love the analogy, Whitney, back to, to Excel. Uh, I, I can remember when I started my career working at an insurer, um, I did things on, on a super large spreadsheet to start with. And then I think within a, a year after starting, uh, spreadsheet software became available. And the first one I would use was, was called SuperComp 20. And that was probably about seven years before even the predecessors to Excel came out. So uh, really yeah. love that analogy. That, that's perfect. Hopefully that will, will make people feel a lot more comfortable who, who may be a little bit more reluctant to venture into the field of data science. Yeah. Hey, Whitney, um, maybe a little bit more on, on a personal side. If you weren't working as an actuary going into that field, what would you have done? What would have been your, what's your passion outside of, of actuarial and data science? I honestly feel like motivational speaking is <laughs> kind of a thing. Uh, I, I've been doing, especially as a leader, I feel like you get so many more opportunities to listen to um, inspirational podcasts or um, seminars, or I don't know if you've ever read The Happiness Advantage, a little plug on that book, but it's just so interesting to see how there are all these different opportunities to just focus on helping yourself continue to move forward and then kind of being that representation so other people can feel more confident in helping themselves and, and be successful and, you know, meet their career path. So I feel like I do that a lot with my team just because I find that stuff so interesting. But yeah, I guess doing it more <laughs> expandedly would be pretty fun. Well, you, you've really motivated me. So I, 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 yes. I can see, see that you'd be very, very good at this. Well, Whitney, uh, thanks again. I, I'd really like to encourage our viewers who uh, also participate in our healthcare community to continue any discussion about the insights that you, know, you shared here uh, on that platform. And, and if uh, for those in the audience, if you're not a member of the CCA and you want to consider joining to you know, not only experience the benefit of the community platforms that I just mentioned, um, and, and the informal discussions that go along with that, but also the other great benefits that our members enjoy. Whit Whitney, thanks for being here today and, and sharing your experiences. Uh, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I really benefited from our time today, and I'm sure our audience uh, will as well. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time.